Hi, I'm the Ish Girl, and you are listening to episode 24 of Connection Not Perfection. Welcome to Connection Not Perfection, the podcast that helps parents and teens connect using literature, laughter, and love. Hey there, I'm Amy, also known as the Ish Girl, and I am so glad that you're with me today. I don't know about you, but I cannot believe that it's already August. Summer has flown by for my family, and here in Casa de Kelly, we are gearing up for the start of school. My daughter is pulling two-a-days for band practice, and my son is already studying material for the academic decathlon team that he's on. And me, I'm still clinging to the last days of this no-set schedule, low-key season. Now, as I grab school supplies during my target runs, I've been thinking a lot about how different my kids' academic experience has been from mine. We live in a very competitive school district in North Texas, where only the top 10% of any graduating class is given automatic entrance into the state colleges here in Texas. Now, that's true for the whole state, but in an area here where you can have a 4.0 and still not be in the top 25%, competition is super fierce. The pressure my teens are under to succeed and to do it all is daunting even for me, an adult. They know that colleges are looking at their extracurriculars, at their social media footprints, at their carefully curated essays, at their discipline reports from the first grade and their grandmother's medical histories. Okay, obviously those last couple are not true. I think. Now, the first hint that their school experience is drastically different than mine was when they were in middle school, when they begged to be allowed to go to school when they were sick. What? My brain had trouble wrapping itself around that one. And to be honest, I still have trouble wrapping myself around that one. Let me tell you, are there any other 80 survivors out there who used the rubbing the thermometer on their jeans trick to make it look like they had a temperature? Because hello, Putting it up to a light bulb meant risking a trip to the doctor, right? No, my kids hated to miss school because it was too hard for them to catch up on what they had missed. They still hate it for the same reason. Early on, my husband and I realized we had to reevaluate our approach on handling all things academic related. Rather than the stereotypical, have you done your homework overseeing strategy, we had to figure out how to support our kids where they were, which has really required some fancy footwork and maneuvering from our perspective. Now, I know that it is very possible that you are dealing with a very different problem with regard to your teen in academics, but given that when I Googled high school academic stress 2017 and there were 492 million results, I have to guess that we're not alone. Now, a couple of those articles were very interesting and I have included them in my show notes. So I'd love for you to check those out after you finish listening. They really are very helpful in kind of looking at the scope of the problem and offering a couple of other solutions on how to help your teen deal with anxiety and stress in regards to school. But with very high levels of anxiety and very real pressures coming at them from all directions, my husband and I have adopted a very loose-handed role with our teens when it comes to their academics. We want them to experience joy in their journey to adulting and to have the resiliency, courage, and vulnerability to dare to try new things. And that's kind of counterculture right now. So here are some of the practical strategies that we've adopted as we've learned along the way. Number one, don't spring last minute things on them. 
If there's one thing that I've learned in particular, it's that our teens are very organized with their time or they've had their time organized for them by the stuff going on at school. And last minute changes can cause tons of stress. Now this one is really hard for me being a spontaneous-ish girl, but I have worked really hard to kind of manage my ishness, so to speak, to facilitate less stress in their lives. Which leads me directly into number two, do have regular calendar meetings. Now, again, this is quite a challenge for this ish girl and one I'm still working on getting better at. And ours usually happen on Sunday nights and we all pull out our phones and our planners, etc., and put stuff on a big calendar that's Velcroed to our pantry door where everyone can see it. Now, every person has a row for their activities and there's one row left over to write down group like family activities and also meals. And I've included a link to the one we use that's up on our pantry right now in the show notes. I will say this has helped me as well because in the past and when I am not keeping up with that calendar, it stresses me out so much for my kids to ask as soon as they get in the car, what's for dinner? Which of course they're going to do because they're starving. But if I don't have a plan in place and an answer to give them, oh my goodness, it stresses me out. And it starts our afternoon off poorly because I don't handle that stress very well all the time. I'm sure you can imagine. So so that's number two, do have regular calendar meetings. Now along those same lines, number three, don't overstuff your calendar. Be a minimalist. Now over our family vacation last week, I listened to a book called Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less by Greg McEwen. I'm not sure I'm saying his last name right, but anyway, I'm determined to streamline our lives this fall. And so part of that would be number four, do plan for more time than you think you'll need for all your activities. Now in this essentialism book, one of the best things that I took away from it was the 50% rule, as in add 50% to the amount of time you estimate something will take you. What that means is if you think it's going to take you an hour to get ready for school, plan for an hour and a half. Also, in regards to this as well, not only pad your time to make sure that you have enough so you're not running late, which adds stress, but I would also say to plan for some do nothing days. In our house, we call them pajama days because we stay home, we put her around in our jammies, and we just let ourselves just be. And I think it's really good to plan those into your schedule because if you don't, the days and weeks run away from you and you find yourself overwhelmed and your kids will too. Now, number five, don't be afraid to say no to quote unquote good activities and opportunities. The more spread thin you and your teen are, the more stress there's likely to be. And again, that's from that essentialism book. Not being afraid to say no is such a valuable skill to have and it takes some practice. And if you can model that for your teen, it's gonna go a long way in helping their stress. Now what helps with that would be number six. Do be clear on what your family's priorities are. Now this is where modeling the priorities that you value comes into play. In our house, we value people, especially each other, We value good self-care, like making sure we are nurturing and exercising our bodies and uh, making sure that we are filled spiritually as well. And then we also value fulfilling our responsibilities. So when we see our teens struggling to make decisions, we try to help them evaluate by focusing on and sometimes even enforcing that hierarchy of 
people, good self-care, and then fulfilling responsibilities. Now, the next one may sound a little strange, and it's one that I have actually talked about with my good friend and licensed counselor, Tammy Scow, on a previous episode, and that is number seven, don't tell your teen to just do your best. That is not helpful. As Tammy shared in that previous episode, who does their best all the time? And I would have to agree with her. I don't do my best in everything because you can't, right? Like there's no balance to that. So number eight, do guide them in the skill of prioritizing. Now we're working to teach our teens to ask evaluating questions with their academic work specifically that sound like this. What homework assignment can you give a B minus effort on without it affecting your grade? What activity can you let go of this week? What test should you give the most study time to this week? What is one action step that will have the most impact on your week, on your grades, on whatever it is that you're looking at? And then also, when is it time to let go and say, I've done enough here, which I have to admit, even as an adult, those are hard questions to answer, right? Now, number nine is don't have unrealistic expectations when it comes to chores and other household stuff. Now, I must admit, being an ish girl, it is not a huge value of mine to have a squeaky clean, neat house, much to my detriment sometimes, but I still maintain that I would rather have Um, time with my kids, time to um, do the things that we all value together. And you'll notice that a clean house was not on my value and priority list in number six. Um, And it may be for yours. So this may be something completely different and that you just write off and that is totally fine. But for us, unrealistic expectations as far as chores and things like that would be expecting the kids to maintain the same level of cleaning and help as they have over the summer. And we actually did a family episode on that. I can't remember which one it is, but I will link to it in the notes where we sat down and kind of had a family meeting before school was out earlier this year about what summer cleaning would look like in our house, because it is different than what it looks like during the year. So that's just something to consider. And so along with that, number 10, do figure out together what is reasonable and model clearly communicating expectations. Let them know that you can be flexible as long as there's communication going on. So this isn't to say that we don't have any expectations at all. We expect them to do their laundry. We expect them to make their own lunches or to just buy their lunch at school. I'm, I'm super okay with that. I'm, I'm kind of letting that one go because it makes our lives all a little bit easier and manageable. So really just communicating those expectations and their expectations and the things that are going on in their lives as well really helps in figuring that out. Now, I will say the greatest life lesson that our family has encountered here is that sometimes it's my husband and I who are asking them to be flexible. As in, um, no, I can't take you to grab your favorite drink at the store tonight to put in your lunch for tomorrow, but I can do it this weekend for next week. So they have had to learn to be very flexible with us as well. And that 
what they want isn't always necessarily going to happen as far as errands and things like that because we all have busy lives going on. So there's a lot of give and take there. Now, number 11 is focusing a little bit more on the academic side of things. And that is do not focus on class rank, on GPA, or on any other kind of statistics, because this can communicate that you only care about the end results. And it can also perpetuate like the sense of competition and really increase your teen's anxiety. Now, what we have learned is that, number 12, we do focus on what they are learning, the journey that they're on, the long-term impact of the skills and the information they're internalizing, and we really try to ask them questions like these, like, what is one interesting thing you discovered this week? Or will this be helpful for you in five years or 10 years or 20? Or if it's something that they're struggling with even, will this matter in five years or 10 years or 20? We also ask them things like, what did you learn from working on that project? Things like time management or new skills or new areas of interest. Now, one of the reasons that I try to focus on those types of things when we talk about school with our, our teens is because I want them to be lifelong learners. Once they graduate from school, I want them to still read books and investigate new things and try new things. So focusing on the aspect of what are you learning? What is your journey in this? What are your experiences teaching you? I think helps to really encourage that type of lifelong learner attitude. Number 13, do not jump in to solve their problems. And this may seem counterintuitive, especially when your teen is very, very anxious, like super anxious. But I promise you, solving things for them will not help them in the long run. Number 14, you do need to support them and be a coach as they work through challenges and problems. Now the goal is to really help your teen develop resiliency and the ability to advocate for themselves. And when that comes to academic challenges, you might ask questions like this, how can I best support you in this? Have you emailed or talked to your teacher? Would you like for me to look over the email once you've written it to your teacher before you send it? Would you like to practice or role play what you want to say to your teacher? Or even do you want me to go with you when you meet with your teacher? Just, I would just say on that one, make it clear that you're not there to do the talking. You're there to support them and make sure things stay on track. What I would say that has helped us as we are helping our kids work through challenges and problems is helping them walk through best and worst case scenarios. Like play things out all the way to the in conclusion because sometimes that helps them reframe it and put it into context. And like if the very worst thing that happens in this is X, well, I'll still be okay, that'll be all right. Now, once the crisis is over, help them process what they did learn from the experience. Did they learn more from walking through a challenge rather than it being easy? And I like to point out to my kids, the times that I learned the very most are not the times that are easy, are not the times when things happen perfectly. It's the times that they're messy and they're hard and they're challenging and there's a problem that I have to overcome that sometimes maybe I even fail at. Those are the times that I really learn the most. So if that is your teen's experience, help them, help them really recognize the lesson in what's just happened. Now, number 15, do not assume 
that your teen is asking for help or solutions when they share those challenges with you, because sometimes they just need to vent, which leads to number 16. And that is, do ask this question when they come to you. Do you want help? Or do you just want me to listen to you? And then once they've responded to that, honor their request. Now, I don't know about you, but it is so hard for me not to try to solve my kids' problems, especially if it's just a discussion, but really listening to them, letting them process it out loud as we kind of look on and offer affirmations and, you know, quick, uh uh-huh, and really, and tell me more. That is what helps our teens grow. Now, number 17 Don't freak out when your teen or you mess up because it's going to happen, right? Like in the, the more calm you can be, the more likely it is that your teen will come to you the next time something happens. And number 18, do empathize, encourage often with your teen and have lots and lots of grace. Make sure that they know that you're proud of them, not because of the things that they've done or not done just because they're yours. Because I always think back to when I first had each of my kids, each of my now teens, when they were little bitty babies, they did nothing, right? Like they were just there. In fact, they required a lot of attention and help and nurture and all those kinds of things. And I was so, so, so proud of them. And that has not changed. But I think that we can often send the message unintentionally that they have to do or achieve or figure out or whatever it is in order for us to be proud of them. So just really focus on making sure they know how proud you are of them, regardless of any actions or inactions. Now, helping your teen navigate school and the academic stress that comes along with it can be really tricky, but those are truly some of the things that our family has found helpful. Now, I'm going to share one more thing with you, actually. One of the things we talk to our teens about is that we want them to understand that getting into the school of their choice is not a do or die situation. And one of the ways that we do that is by telling them personal stories, because if our teens are going to listen to anything, it's definitely going to be to the stories that we tell them about how we have failed in school situations or in job situations. So we've both shared those kinds of stories and we've really tried to point out that it is very rare for anyone to stay within the same profession as they majored in during college. Opening their eyes to all the possibilities that are out there and the probability that they will try lots of different things throughout their lives is something we really try to emphasize for them. That and the fact that we hold the belief that there is a plan and a purpose for both of their lives and not just theirs, but for everyone really. So there you have it, 19 do's and don'ts for gearing up for this school year. Now, I would love to hear how you and your family deal with academic stress with your teen. And you can head on over to Facebook or Instagram to share with me. I would love to hear what your strategies are and what you do 
to help your kids navigate the school year. Now, I wanted to remind you, because I am still clinging to these last few days of summer, that we still have one more book to go in our Connection Not Perfection Summer Lit Club. And that book is Children of Blood and Bone by Tomi Adeyemi. And I will be talking about that book on the podcast next week on August 9th. And I'll also be holding my final Summer Lit Club Facebook Live event on August 14th. Now on the 14th, that is when I'll be drawing names for all of the CNP Summer Lit Club sweepstakes prizes. So make sure you've signed up for that at my website. You can do that by following the link in my show notes, or you can head to theishgirl.com and there um, on the main menu is a link for you to be able to sign up for that. So I just encourage you to do that and get signed up and do any of the things that are listed in order to be entered multiple times into that sweepstakes, because I would love to be able to gift you with one of the prizes. Now, I would also like to throw myself at your mercy and ask you to please fill out the Connection Not Perfection survey. Again, that is a link at the bottom of the show notes, or you can also find it on my website as well. And that's really going to help me out as I plan for future podcast episodes. I would just like to say thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I am praying that all of you are enjoying your last few days of summer. And until next time, from an ish girl who is off to the pool with a good book, it is all about connection, not perfection.